Gigi and I are glad to be home. This is home for us, has been for a long, long time. And uh, it's also wonderful to be a visitor here and to be loved so well by so many of you. And uh, so thank you. Uh, I want to start with a story about myself. I hope it isn't really about me. I hope it's about him. But it's a way of illustrating what I'm trying to say about God today. The year was 1967. It was the middle of my junior year at college. I, was, I would have called myself a Christian, though in the way that I've come to, to know what it means to be a Christian now, I wasn't much of one. I think it, 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 it's best to say I was probably a deist, if you know what I mean. In other words, God was somewhere way out there. He was hardly uh, an influence in my life, except that I had all of this culture. I had gone to Sunday school in the Episcopal Church, and I occasionally attended, very occasionally, but I had this, this uh, lady friend, in fact, she's still around here somewhere, <laughs> who started dragging me to church in those days, but I wasn't, I, I, how can I say it? I went because she was there. <laughs> I think she was generally, genuinely seeking the Lord at that point, but I was not. Uh, but I did have some things on my mind. Uh, there were things about coming to the end of college. There were things about uh, the next steps in my life. Uh, there were things about the Vietnam War. All of this stuff was swirling around us in 1967. And I said, you know, there's a counselor. I think she's a psychiatrist who is at the university health department, and I know I can go there and get some, just talk to somebody. I wouldn't have thought of talking to a clergyman in those days. I have to say that, admit it. I, it just didn't occur to me. Uh, and I'm thinking about this, and all of a sudden I heard a voice, I know it was in my head, but it was so clear that I turned around and looked over my shoulder to see if somebody was sitting in the back seat. And that voice said, you don't need a psychiatrist, you need God. That's what that voice said. I won't say that it was the voice of the Lord, but it was certainly a message, a, a message from Him. And I, and I cannot say that... I was suddenly uh, uh, saw the light and everything was revealed and I was a follower of Jesus from that day on. wasn't so. But what I can say is that it began a journey for me. A journey, and I can't even say back to. It was a journey forward to coming to know that the God that I thought was way out there somewhere was a lot closer than I thought. That the God who I thought was somewhere in the 
farthest heavens was a God that was close to me. He was God with us, I was later to understand and to see. And that was, that was important. I didn't think he knew me. And that was his way of saying, I know you. I want you to figure out how to know me. Now, I say that as a way of illustrating our gospel lesson today. We have this story of how uh, Nathaniel is there, the calling of, of Philip and of Nathaniel. And, and Philip meets Jesus and believes and follows him. He goes to his friend. And I didn't say this early at the earlier service, but they're from Bethsaida, and the other ones are from Nazareth. They're the fishermen who live on the lake. Nazareth is the big town inland. It's more of a, it's more of a, like a Roman, a Gentile city in those days, I believe. It's, it's right to say. And so he talks to, his friend talks to Nathaniel, and he says, we think we've met the guy. We think we've met the one, the one that, that Moses talks about, the one that the prophets speak of. He doesn't say the word Messiah. He doesn't say the word Lord or teacher at this point, but that's what was understood. Nathaniel just speaks up and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I, I suppose it would be like us. Can anything good come out of, think of the big city that you don't really want to live in? Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> I was thinking Detroit. <laughs> but in any case. Okay. And then, so th that little exchange takes place. We can imagine here is Philip dragging Nathaniel along to meet Jesus, and they have to walk some way to get there. The, it's not like all of this happened in a space as big as this room. And, and suddenly Jesus looks up, sees Nathaniel, and he says, an Israelite indeed, one in whom there is no guile. I'm sorry, I'm still in the old translation, even though I use the ESV. Uh, one who who who, who doesn't who always speaks the truth. He doesn't he doesn't even for politeness' sake he doesn't sort of say things in the nice way. He's always going to be direct, kind of like this guy over here. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Uh, and, uh, well, you know the story. The response is the thing I want you to hear today more than anything. He says, Lord, how did you know me? How did you know me? And I think 
he's saying to Jesus, not only did you greet me as if you knew me, but somehow you know what's in my heart. You know what's in my mind. You know the way that I'm wired, and I'm just now meeting you. And it's on the basis of Jesus knowing him and even kind of knowing the things that he said about Jesus that weren't very complimentary. It's because he was known that he's now saying, my Lord, my God, you're the king of Israel. Isn't that it? And I want to, I want to, let's think about that. And maybe I should say now what, what's in the back of my head and was when I first began to look at these scriptures together. And it is that we, in, in evangelical circles particularly, we talk about knowing the Lord. We talk about following Jesus. We talk about uh, accepting Jesus as Savior and following him as our Lord. And it's all about us. But what I really think is that it's all about him. <laughs> I don't think we would even uh, uh, want to know Jesus if he hadn't reached out and somehow revealed to us as he did to Nathaniel. If he did, didn't reach out to us and say, I know you. As David says in this psalm, and I'm thinking, you know, David had his times of Im incredible glory. But this, I'm guessing, came out of the lower times and the darker times in David's life. It's not that he doesn't understand the glory of the Lord. It's not that he's not uh, uh, even experienced the glory of the Lord and the glory in the world that he had. But he's looking back upon the perhaps the less pleasant parts of his life. Maybe he's even looking at his own sin, his own failures. And he says, Lord, you've searched me. You know me. You know not only who I am, but you know what I'm doing, and you know what I'm thinking. Uh, you know the words that I'm about to speak even before I speak them. Now, I'm not sure that, that, I, that I really like that concept. <laughs> he says, you hem me in. That feels a little restricting. But I have a sense that in the, in the greater view of things that David is, 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 brings to this psalm, I have a sense that it's more like St. Patrick who says, Christ is before me and behind me and beside me, below me and above me. It is that God who loves me and protects me. My vision of, of, of what he's thinking about, perhaps among other things, 
is he's thinking about this of uh, uh, a place in the desert near uh, the the area that's called En Gedi near the Dead Sea where there's a little stream that comes down through the rocks but David at one point was living in a cave there because <coughs> Saul and his uh, palace guard were after him on the one hand and then there were times when the Philistines were after him on the other hand and he wasn't sure who his friends were and who he could trust. So, yes, God hems us in, but he also protects us. Uh, and to that, David says this, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, so high I cannot attain it. Isn't that the mystery? of being a creature who has, is coming to know his creator or her creator. We have this understanding of a God who isn't afar off, who really is nigh, who really is Emmanuel, a God who makes his presence known to us. And I have to say, of all of those experience that I've, I've experiences of God that I've had, and there have been very few, but every one of them has been of God saying, look, this is about my presence and how I come near to you. And when I come near to you, good things happen. And when you turn your back on me, not so good things happen. That's been God's lifelong message to me. And David says this too. Where can I go from your spirit? How shall I, or where shall I fl flee from your presence? And he begins to speak poetically here when he says, if I go up to heaven, obviously, he doesn't have that capacity. If I go down to Sheol, which is the place of the dead, hell, we would say, you're there. He, what he means to say, I, 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 this is one place where we can't lit read the Bible literally. Did you realize that? Oh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> What's he say? He's saying, if I could go to heaven you'd be there. If I could go to hell, you'd be there too. If I could take the wings of the morning, in other words, sail off into the air like a bird, if I could go to the depths of the sea like a fish, right? That's poetry. You'd be there. I can't get away from you even if I go into the darkness and I'm thinking even here, David, thinking, do you suppose after he had committed adultery and murder, he, he could have tried to hide himself in some way. He said, even if the darkness were to cover me, 
the darkness of my sin, the darkness of depression, the darkness of fear, the darkness of anything that somehow closes us in. That even in the midst of those things, even, in the, even under the influence of the very harsh and hard and awful things that we've done, that God is there. He's there to convict us, yes, but he's also there to receive us and to forgive us if we are able, if we're willing to turn to him and he enables us to do so. And then, of course, David says, it's even more than that. It's not just about what I do and say and, 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 and say, and I'm sorry, say and feel and, and experience in the now. It's the fact that you were the one who took in my mother's womb and put me together, as it were. That you work through all of the natural things and supernatural as well, that you formed me. And not only that, but you were there when the whole principle of life as we know it was created. You did that. You, you created that world out of which we come to, into being and born, are born. Okay. So what, 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 it, what is the message as I see it? Dave Dabria, whom some of you remember, uh, he, he once, uh, uh, he was once on a, some kind of a tr retreat with uh, where he was dealing with young people. And even when I knew Dave, it, when I met Dave first, he was probably in his late 40s, early 50s. He had this striking gray hair, right? Do, how many of you remember Dave? <laughs> Some do. <laughs> well, and Dave was a big guy, too. He's tall. And he was probably in his 60s when he came back from this youth retreat. And he led us through uh, one of those kind of songs, kind of poems, things that people teach kids at youth retreats. <laughs> and he said, our God, he had a big voice, our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. And he went through this whole routine, right? And what, why am I saying that? Because our God is so much bigger. He's so much stronger. He's so much, he, he is so incredible that when we try to put the boundaries on him, even boundaries of time and space, it just doesn't work. And that's why we can say, well, of course he inhabits eternity. But as Isaiah the prophet said, but he also dwells with the broken, the lowly. I live, do you know that, that, that verse? I live in a high and holy place, says the Lord, but also with the lowly, with the heart broken. Okay. 
So, when we think about ourselves and we think about God, we're always thinking in, we're always sort of bringing it down to size. When we think, even when we say things, yes, I know Jesus, or I want to know more of him, or I'm following him, we're, we're always bringing it down to our size. When we say, I'm not going to go to church anymore. My daughter-in-law said that to us a couple of years ago. She's a wonderful, beautiful, devout person. But she got upset of something at church, and she got upset with things in her life, and she says, I'm not going to do this. And you know what she kept saying? After that, she said, he won't let me. He keeps bugging me. He keeps... (laughs) He keeps speaking to me through other people. I I keep thinking of Bible verses. (laughs) And if he does that with every one of us, can you imagine? Even if he were, even if we would kind of envision God as some kind of uh, being that's also a supercomputer, how does he communicate with all of us in such a personal way as David has described? as my daughter-in-law experienced. That's how big God is, and that's how big his love for us is. That he reaches into the darkest places of our lives and says, I'm here, and I love you. I'm here, and I love you. So this is my prayer. That God will... Even David says, it's too big for me. I I can't attain to this, to a knowledge of it. But that we just get comfortable with the experience or the, 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 the concept that the God who created the universe, who's bigger than it all, cares about us. That he has reached out to us and that all we need to do is say, yeah, I want to I wanna touch you because you've shown me that you exist. That's what happened to me that those many years ago. And so I started looking, and I looked in all the regular places, and I found some things in places that were irregular, if you will. <laughs> Street evangelist type <laughs> of people. <laughs> and I didn't always like what they said, but they had an impact on me. They were part of the, the work that God did to bring me into his presence in a way that I said, oh, you knew me. You had patience to bring me along this path. And indeed, you are the Lord. You are the creator of the universe. Jesus, you are the son of God and my Savior. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we come before you and we thank you for those glimpses that you've given us. Even the ones that make us feel very uncomfortable but that put us in a place of saying, yes, there is a God. (coughs) He's all-powerful. He's all-loving. And he's absolutely righteous.
And so as we, even as we cannot attain to a full understanding of that, we ask you to keep revealing yourself to us. And we say, yes, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the sovereign of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.